Welcome to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I'm your host, writer and comedian, Emily Winter. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I'm really going for it this year. I'm making it, trying to do all the year, or since whenever I started. I'm not taking breaks. I'm going, we're going, we're doing ghosts every week. I've just, I've had the great fortune during this writer's strike of getting to visit a lot of different cities for stand-up comedy and in doing so meet a lot of amazing people um, who have ghost stories. So I just want to keep it going as long as I possibly can. So if you have a ghost story and you're a creative person, reach out. Or if you're some kind of storyteller, reach out. If you have a ghost story but you are terrified of being on a podcast and that sounds like your waking nightmare, then just reach out to me and I can read it if you if you want it on air. Um, yeah. My email is emcwinter at gmail.com. And I'm at Emily MC Winter on all of the social media apps. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, duh. And uh, Comedians with Ghost Stories. Although we only have a few posts up, we are now on Instagram. Look for us, Comedians with Ghost Stories. I need to, the more people that follow, the more, fl- the bigger the flame is to my butt. To make real things happen on that. In that place. Comedians with ghost stories. Instagram. Okay. All right. All right. For real. Enjoy. Today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have writer and producer Amanda Recupido. Amanda, thank you for doing the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to hear your stories, especially because you are where I am from. You are in Chicago. And so you have some Chicago stuff to share, which I'm super excited about. But where do your stories take place? Are they in Chicago? Yeah, so this first one is at the very edge of what would be considered the greater Chicagoland area in Geneva, Illinois. Not to be confused with Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. (laughs) Um, So it's fascinating, like, also since you're from Illinois, Geneva is on the Fox River. Mm -hmm. Um, So before, I'm going to get into a little history here, like before we had trains, you know, before like all this kind of happened, like river towns were like the boom town. Um, So I mean, Geneva is still a thriving suburb, but you know, it's heyday and same, you know, anything on the Mississippi, Galena, like 1800s, early mid, like that, that was it. So when we're thinking about ghosts, we're thinking this era. Um, So the story takes place in March, 2020. It is actually the weekend that everyone like bought toilet paper. Um, So (laughs) I was on a girl's trip um, with three other women I call affectionately the power ladies because we all have big jobs. We're also creative and variously in art spaces. Um, And we were just gathering together for a girl's weekend. Um, And then we had like got back from this weekend being like, why, why did everyone buy toilet paper? Like what happened? What did we miss? That is so um, crazy. That must have been so freaky to yeah, like so, return to civilization and it's the end of the world. Exactly. So like also vibes, vibes are off. Yeah. Right? As we're yeah. entering this weekend, something in the air. So, you know, we were there, there's like a spa, like we're all these, like, you know, we think we're witchy white ladies. Um, you know, we're all into horoscopes and everything. Like we're just enjoying ourselves. Um, and this, spa um like each of the rooms like has like a huge tub like you can get like bath salts and fun stuff like that so we're all in our separate rooms so the first time I noticed something hinky is when I'm like taking this bath and I just kind of feel a presence and I'm just like okay like this is just my anxiety like whatever you know we go out to dinner come back 
it's fine. Some sleeping, and I've heard some of your guests mention this before, this like sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like, I remember I was on my side and it felt like something was pushing against me. Like I could oh not God. move. Um, and my brain, and it's crazy how your brain does this, where it's just like, oh, don't worry, it's just a ghost. And like, was oh, it was it pushing against like your front or your back? The back. Oh my gosh, it's so scary. Yeah. And so I was also like, I don't know if it matters, facing the window. So like the door, like the rest of the room was like to my back. Yeah, that's scary and too. Where the tub and the bathroom and everything would have been. So interesting. And then the next morning at breakfast, because I'm like, all right, these are my my witchy ladies. They're not going to judge me. I'm like, I low-key think I was visited by a ghost last night. And immediately, one of my other friends was like, oh my gosh, me too. (gasps) And so, yeah, chills, right? Yeah. And I have this rule that I will not Google if a hotel is haunted until after I've stayed there, because otherwise I will just freak out completely. You won't be able to sleep, yeah. yeah. So, of course, I go home, Google, and like a thousand percent it's haunted. Um, Because again, we're going back to Rivertown. It was the site of a quarry back in the day. Okay. Where like, you know, people were like falling into their desks and like work accidents happen. This is like before we had like all these, you know, rules and regulations of like workplaces and like quarries are dealing with rocks. It was dangerous. Yeah. Uh, A lot of people died on this site. Uh, Oh, the hotel was later built on the site of the quarry. Got it. Got it. Got it. So it was built on the site of all this tragedy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like right on the river. So it's like beautiful, um, you know, with a haunted past. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my I mean, gosh. Yeah. And I've heard of these stories, like a friend who went to Savannah, did a ghost tour, like the ghost followed her home. So of course I was like freaked out about like a ghost following me, attaching itself to me. She had said like, all you have to do is like talk to it politely. Um, I've also worried about this again. I like seek out ghosts and then I'm terrified of them. Same, um, exact same. Yes. Yeah. So this gets into um, some local Chicago lore. Amazing. Um, since Wait, can I just ask yeah. what happened with this? So what did your friend in the hotel experience? Because um, you said your friend also felt like a ghost. Yeah. And when I looked up the like the haunted experience like online, um, it was something also about the floor she was staying. She was on a different floor. And I think it was like, I don't know if it was like a young kid running up and down the hallway, but it was like something different than I experienced. Okay. But then the pandemic happened and. And we had, we had, yeah, other things to be afraid of, um, <laughs> like imminent death. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So anyway, so you were going to tie this into, uh, Chicago lore. Amazing. Yeah. So just like with like being afraid of ghosts attaching themselves to me and being my best friend. Um, so as you are from the Chicagoland area, especially the South side. Mm-hmm. Um, you of course know all about Al Capone. Um, and like, I'm Italian. I don't know if, are you Italian? I'm not. My husband is Italian, but he's not okay. from Chicago. <laughs> okay. But like, so this is an Italian story. Have you heard of the tale of the Italian bride? No, I haven't. Okay. So where I live, which now, which is like in the Western suburbs, the cemetery where Al Capone is buried. Um, there is also this Italian bride, um, there's like a statue on her grave. This was a, a woman who died very young in childbirth in like the 1920s, I want to okay. say. Um, she was Sicilian and in traditional Sicilian, uh, if you, uh, their tradition, if you die in childbirth, you're buried in your wedding dress. Okay. Messed up, but like whatever. And her mother, like years later, was having visions that her daughter had been like buried alive. Like she was coming to her in dreams and she's like, we have to dig her up. Like something's not right. 
Oh my God. And so they exhumed the body and she looked like as pristine. This was several years later (gasps) as if it was like the day she died. So plenty of scientific reasons why that's normal. Really? Um, I mean, and like, yeah, I guess like embalming is different, but I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a forensic expert about like right. how bodies decay. But, right, right, um, right. There's, yeah. And, you know, my husband has his, uh, you know, skepticism of beliefs in things. And so there's always a whole laundry list of reasons why things could happen. Yeah. So I can see it both ways. But there have also been stories, you know, urban legends, suburban legends of, you know, a young boy and his parents, like in the cemetery getting separated. He's like, oh, a nice lady in a white dress pointed me back. Oh my gosh. And there was a sighting. So it's right across from, I think it's Proviso East or West High School. And in the cemetery. Do you know the cemetery name? Um, Is it Mount Carmel? We used to play Mount Carmel in sports. Yeah, it's totally Mount Carmel. Oh, crazy. Okay. And so there was a sighting in the 70s, like during the, whatever high school is there, like the homecoming. And so they had to like cancel the dance. People were freaking out. Enough of a frenzy to you know pandemonium with a bunch of teens that is so funny that is so funny so when they exhumed her body were there like scratches like was she buried alive Ooh, that that is a good question I don't think so but it was definitely a big media frenzy because again mm-hmm. it's the 20s um so on her grave because again there's a big statue like there is a photo of like the day they exhumed her so this is definitely oh something that people seek out so time to all back in the pandemic, you know, we're bored out of our minds. And yes. for some reason, my husband and I thought it would be nice to take a walk in the cemetery and like the Al Capone's grave and see the Italian bride statue, which we do. And then I realized, oh, like we're in a cemetery and it's full of dead people. And this is really creepy. So I did, I did worry about, you know, something attaching to me and bringing me and bring me bringing it home with me. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately did not, but like there was a couple for two weeks after I'm like, mm, can I go to sleep? <laughs> Right, right, right. I take things out and, you know, then I regret it immediately. That is so funny. And is it, and this, at this point, you've already just had this experience right at the beginning of the pandemic. So you're like extra, extra scared. Yes. When you felt this presence in this hotel, was it just, hey, was it like, I mean, coming in bed with you, being in the bathroom, was it like sexual? Was it creepy? Was it negative, positive? Or was it just like, I am so overcome with my own emotions that I can't feel what you're trying to, the vibes? Yeah, I'm very neutral. Um, And this kind of gets into like the spiritual aspect of things where my conscious brain is perhaps afraid. Mm -hmm. Um. But then again, you know, if we're thinking of spirits as people, it's like, there is nothing to be afraid of. Um, So being Italian and like my grandmother is like the immigrant in our family, like from Italy, all of her family is in Italy. Um, So my, I guess, great aunt, whatever she would be. And she's passed. Um, Like she used to read tarot. Like she was definitely like, which means witch and Italian. So it's like, as I'm again, getting more witchy, it's like, this is, this is nothing to be afraid of. And like, let's embrace it. And even when my grandfather passed, there were a couple of family members, and I was very young, um, who saw dogs, like, in the week after he died. Oh, um, I love that. My mother and I remember, like, being at, like, the jewel in the parking lot and mm-hmm. seeing, like, a dog waiting, like, by our car. Um, my grandmother was, like, mowing the lawn, and a dog was just, like, on the fence and, like, didn't move for the entire time she was, like, mowing the lawn. Um, 
So they that's, come down. It's like, oh, that's really nice. Like, yeah. he's checking him out, letting us know he's okay. And they say birds are the number one sign. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Ugh. Doing a deeper dive into like witchiness, does it make you believe more in astrology? Does it make you believe more in all these tools that we have invented to help us understand ourselves and each other? Yeah. And I think, you know, I grew up really religious and I'm not at all Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. And I, I say, you know, I do a lot of yoga. So it's like this kind of spirituality has replaced the traditional religion. And, you know, again, my husband's like, this is all bullshit. Um, So I have, you know, I take everything with a grain of salt. I have used it to, you know, trust in myself um, when I've doubted myself, especially when it comes to art and writing um, of just like that, keep going. So even if it's bullshit, it's helped me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think there's something that, you know, and and taking again, like this, this great aunt who read cards that this has been around for long enough and has helped enough people. Right. Um, but there has to be something to it and to right. just remain open to the universe um, and thinking again of ghosts as perhaps a guide um, and not this like scary boogeyman, um, you know, in a horror film. It's so weird that I think for some reason, tarot cards have so much integrity yet horoscopes do not, but that is a me problem. <laughs> I like, don't know where this comes from. Um, maybe I just read so many bad fake horoscopes in my past that I'm like, eh, it's so that was hard for me. Yeah. Well, anytime I read my husband's horoscope, um, and I'm like, wow, like, isn't your mind blown? Isn't this perfect? He's like, this could literally mean anything for anybody. So like, yeah. there is that. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, a dose of skepticism, you know, I've have I tried it all? Have I seen a psychic? Have I done like a past life reading? Like, yes. Like, let me, let me try it all. Um, and you know, find what works for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And again, like this kind of idea, and this is like my last, um, encounter story. I mean, it happened, and it happened when I was a young girl. So this is where it's Ooh, like, I'm excited. I think there's something to it. Yeah. Um, start with the fantastic work our way back. <laughs> so when I was four years old, So this is a very early memory. You know, my mother is like, I don't believe this happened, but I remember it. Um, This was like, you know, a different house that I grew up in. Um, And, you know, my bedroom, we had bed, a little play area, and there was like a rocking chair. And, you know, I'm playing on the floor with my toys. And, you know, then I noticed like a woman in the rocking chair. And I go back to play with my toys and then she's gone. And I remember like, getting up, like oh going down the hallway, finding my mom. And I'm like, is grandma here? And she's like, no, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, she was just in my room. And I go back to my room. And of course, no one's there. And this is my dad's mother. And okay. she had passed oh. when I was young. Um, and I think we already like knew she had passed at that time. Um, yeah. And so again, to me, it was like just coming down to check on me. That is so sweet. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, and again, if people don't believe me, I think there's something in my family, you know, that there's this like little witchiness. I find my powers growing as I get older. That is one great thing about getting older. It's like feeling that, that there's more work to be done internally than externally. And that's a little bit exciting. Yeah. But okay. So when you saw, I don't know if you remember this because you were so young, but when you saw your grandma, were you afraid or you were just like, I'm very surprised. Not at all. It was more like confused because she was there so quickly and then gone. And she was like a full person. So I would say the other, like the hotel experience, like that just was a feeling, like a a presence, but I didn't see anything. 
And, you know, and I remember again, like growing up Catholic being told, oh, like the Virgin Mary appears to children. And I was like, always terrified of that. Um, so there is something about being young that you might see something. And I have um, young nieces and a nephew where, oh my God, I think my one niece is going to be a witch. Um, Cause she's just like in her crib, just being like, don't worry. It's just me. No ghosts. Worry about there. Wait, she's she says that, or you you say it to her? No, she said it. Oh my gosh! I was babysitting, like coming to pick her up from a nap. So, like, yeah. And I just want to say for the the people listening, you were taking a sip of coffee and nearly did a spit take when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) What a what what an amazing little kid! Uh, Don't worry, there's no ghost. You could come on in, like. Not yeah. only does she see ghosts, but she realizes that you don't see ghosts because you're like a grown up, and exactly. and she's like clearing the room for you. It's just so funny. It's like a little I don't know office manager or something like in your yeah in her crib. Um, my sister in law said she is like said that a couple times, so we think we think she's got the gift. Has she said anything about seeing particular particular ghosts or anything? That I'm sure, and yeah, I'm like well, well, let's get into my extended family, yeah, because then my other sister in law. She was like driving like you know, like my husband's grandfather's car, like during like a snowstorm, and she felt like him take the wheel at one point. So, I mean, like there's definitely we also joke that she's a witch, um, because she could predict like, oh, you're pregnant, like you're having a girl. Um oh my god, I love it. Yeah, so there's like a lot of this around me, which is really yeah. interesting that we kind of like we joke about it, but like there's a little truth to it. That's so exciting. So I have a question. When you did your past life reading, how, how, what was that experience like and how did it help you? Yeah. And I did it because a friend had done it. Um, and she said she had like experienced a couple past lives. And so this was also during the pandemic. I went through many phases of like depression, et cetera, yeah. the pandemic. We went through, I went through like 10,000 lasagnas and 10,000 boxes of wine. So, um, I mean, this is a way healthier way of doing it. I definitely had a lasagna phase. I will tell you that. (laughs) Um, we instituted pasta Thursdays. So yeah, it's healing. Um, so I had done mine virtually, which is also a different experience than my friend had because she had done it before the pandemic. And I was also dealing with in 2020, um, so I do not have children of my own. And we had gone through fertility treatments for a while. 2020, before the pandemic, was like, this is our year off just to see how we feel. Yeah. <laughs> and the pandemic happened. Oh, so my God. Yeah, I was wrestling with all these things of like, you know, am I meant to be a mother? Do we go for it? Because it wasn't working as we were actually taking steps to try. Um, so this is all the background getting to this past life reading. And it was also one of those things where it's like, this is weird when she's like, tell me what you see you get into this state of deep relaxation, you know, like you're almost like meditating. Um, and I saw myself again, like maybe like 1800s as a mother and as a single mother, um, also by a river. Whoa. didn't even think about that. Um, where like husband was like off at war or had like died in war or something. And like the long and short of it was had been a mother in a past life and it was not a fun experience because I was left alone um and you know was I going to the river to like just walk uh you know away from my kids for you know a couple minutes of peace was I there because I was depressed and about to like Virginia Woolf it I don't know so I did kind of walk away from that experience of like this is okay um when I joke like oh I don't need to have kids I was already a mother in a past life like that is hilarious to say um I love it 
I can, I can be a great aunt to my uh, witchy niece and yeah. you know, teach her all the powers. <laughs> That's so funny. I My sister was deciding whether or not to have children and she couldn't, they, her and her partner could not make up their mind. And so I, as she's in Chicago. So I got her a psychic reading for her birthday and it, she said it like helped her so much. Um, yeah. yeah. It's so totally. interesting. And whether it's like therapy or religion or a psychic, it's like, they all in a way have the same purpose and people just want reassurance. They want to be heard. Um, and especially for women who are childless, it's that permission of like, mm-hmm. this is okay. And you are still whole um, yeah. and a worthy being. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, I'm in the same boat and it was a, it was a weird experience making that decision. We're of the generation that I think we're going to be the first generation to sort of en masse be like, we don't have kids. We are childless women and that is okay. Uh, but yeah, it's hard when there's not models that are ahead of you. I, I, I know very few women um, in Gen X or Gen uh, or, or boomers that don't have kids. Right. Or who don't have kids where it's not like a tragedy. Um, yes. I definitely had like an aunt and like one of my parents' friends where it's like, well, they just don't talk about it or like, well, they yes. tried to adopt. Um, and I do agree. Sometimes I realize, you know, yes. And sometimes, sometimes it's sad. And then it's like, oh, I'm the first woman in my family to really make the choice. Like, yes, yes my parents had the choice, like they had resources, but it was expected. It was expected. Exactly. It's really exciting, but it's really, um, it's a little bit nerve wracking to be the trailblazers on that front. And I think spirituality can really help in that, um, which is very off topic from the, from the topic of this, this podcast, but I feel like it is somehow related, uh, and, and very cool. It absolutely yeah. is. And I know, um, I do have this piece that I wrote that actually does tie motherhood slash lack thereof to ghosts. Uh, oh, let's, so let's hear it. Hear it. So this is, um, it's a short prose piece I wrote, um, like all mothers and daughters, uh, you know, my, my mom and I, we have a, we have a good, we're in a good spot right now, but there's always ups and downs in mother daughter relationships. And this is something I wrote to kind of make sense of kind of a, a, a troubling time in our relationship. Um, and thinking about ghosts and being haunted. Uh, so here's the, here's this little piece. Oh, great. I am a living ghost of my mother. Sometimes it bothers me how much I'm like her like I'm not my own person. Then I think about how much like my grandmother she is, how my grandmother must be so much like her mother and so on. It's in the genes, my grandmother likes to say, as if some traits are inevitable beyond escape. Perhaps we can never outrun ourselves for good reason. It's our destiny. There are many ways I'm like my mother in ways I've had to work through in therapy. The parts of myself that I dislike, that I wave away in heightened moments saying, that's not me, that's Diana as if my mother is some alter ego persona I'm trying on for size, but she's also the best parts of me too. I catch myself mid laugh and think of her, the way her infectious personality lights up a room. How apparent it would be at family holidays growing up that without her in the room, the rest of us were struggling a conversation. She has that invisible way of maintaining emotional balance. And I have that gift too. Sometimes I can be resentful of it, because it's so much work, exhausting even, to hold everyone's spirits. But it's sacred, I realized, to have this power and use it wisely. I'm like my mother when I'm adorably manic, excited about a new project or walking too fast. It's made me good at work, something she was unable to explore in her full potential. 
It made me an emotive artist, something I notice is there brimming beneath her surface. I'm her when I make my obsessive lists, checking things off. My drive is hers, my ability to form connections. The way I ask my husband to choose between multiple fashion options in rapid succession. All of these habits, these characteristics, ensure I will keep her alive and that she lives on in me. But of course, my mother is still with us. And at the time of this writing, we hadn't spoken in about a year. And the reasons as to why are too complicated and too personal to explain, but can be summed up in essence by a very constant refrain she'd tell people when they'd inevitably comment how alike we look. She and I are very different. Aside from her personality, I have my mother's red hair, her fair skin, her facial features, Mother and daughter, I thought you were sisters, men would exclaim as they very blatantly hit on my mother in front of me when I was a teen. In this way, we're alike too. Attention-seeking, sometimes. Unaware, sometimes. Just trying to be nice and probably should have known better, sometimes. In my struggle to conceive my own child, I worry about ending this lineage of women that has been so dominant in my family. Sometimes I think it's selfish to procreate just to keep myself alive but I also know it's not all about me. It's about my mother, my grandmother, and all the women before them. This personality that has a new update with each generation, but is ultimately the same at its core. This ambitious, exuberant woman with endless love to give. Sometimes I like to tell myself that my art will be my legacy, that some people are able to pour their energies into a human being in a way I simply might not be able to. I think about famous mother-daughters whose lineages have ended, Judy Garland and Liza Minnelli, Diana and Tracy Ellis Ross. And if you think I'm being dramatic by comparing myself to these legends, well, you simply haven't been paying attention. We keep spirits alive by the simple act of being. We are a living legacy and we will continue on in the world, whether alive or not. Maybe I'll still have a child. Maybe my art will remain. Or maybe I'll haunt the earth in other ways, somehow making my presence known. The end. Wonderful. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. I love that. And I, and it is, it's so funny because it does just sort of tie it back to everything. Yeah. Like how will we be when, when it's our turn to be the ghosts, what, in what way will we be there? Yeah. Well, Amanda, tell everybody where they can find you online and, and plug anything you would like to plug. Yeah. So um, my social is at Amanda Recupido. Uh, that last name is R-E. C-U-P-I-D-O, Cupid in the middle. Um, yeah, so just just follow me there. I've always got stuff going on. Um, I produce a lot on stage in Chicago, working on a lot. Um, I post a lot on Instagram, so you'll see it all there. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Comedians with Ghost Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you can, please rate and review the podcast. Give me a follow at Emily MC Winter on Instagram and Twitter. And also follow Comedians with Ghost Stories on Instagram. Thank you so much. <laughs>